from the frozen lands of Minnesota. Two adventurers, Adam and usually Dave, battle the harshest internet connections to bring you another episode of the Digital Soup Podcast. Their opinions are unqualified, but the conversations are good. All right, welcome back. This is episode 197 197. of the digital. <laughs> yeah, 197, y'all. <laughs> of I'm the your digital soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of digital soup. As you hear, I'm joined by my good friend Adam. I'm usually Dave. And today we're going to be tackling, you know, because we've got the super review next week of The Revenant. We mm-hmm. thought, let's, last week we were talking, you know, let's do something entertainment based. And what better way to do that leading into a movie review than with a movie-specific episode in which we talk about the top 10 horrific events on movie sets? That's the big question of the day. It is. And so we're going to talk about some very terrible things. That's right. And (laughs) we're going to love every second of it. (laughs) (laughs) In fairness, this this was your list. Yeah. Well, if we're going to prepare for The Revenant... In which there right. is, I mean, you already know there's supposed to be a bear attack, right? Yep. yep. So <laughs> let's let's find out about other movies that had attacks yeah. and terrible things. Got to get my darkness levels, you know, calibrated. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yep, I'm in the right mindset for that. Um, I do want to just give a little bit of a disclaimer because I am lazy and I'm not going to painstakingly edit out every tiny little thing. I have a guest sitting on my lap right now. Uh, our family's puppy here. He's about three months old, Archie. So if you hear some jingling of a bell, it's just his collar. And hopefully, he, oh, there he was whining just a little bit. But hopefully he doesn't whine too much. And uh, just uh, keep an eye on him for a little bit. So just just a fair <laughs> disclosure. But, you know, we'll, we'll put a mic on him. We'll get him podcasting here soon enough. So <laughs> we could have the first ever <laughs> dog podcast. Yeah. Where it's just <laughs> dogs. It's just the sounds of dogs. <laughs> Probably be popular. People would turn yeah. it on for their pets while they're gone. Oh, you want to listen right. to the latest episode of Arf Arf? <laughs> yeah, Sir Barks a lot or something. <laughs> yeah. I like so, big bones and I cannot lie. <laughs> Not this one. He's a little guy. He's mm. he's three months old, but he's he's probably close to his full size. He's not going to get too much bigger than he is now. A little bit, but not much. Like a stuffed animal He's a size. little... Yeah, a little Shih Tzu Terrier mix. Mostly Shih Tzu with, a, hey, that's you, yeah. The uh, I don't remember if it was the mom or the dad. One of them was a quarter uh, quarter Terrier of some sort, but the rest all Shih Tzu. So. That reminds me of that, that zoo joke. Did you ever hear that one? Uh, I'm not sure. So the other day I went to a zoo. They only had one animal. Uh-huh. It was a Shih Tzu. <laughs> I still don't get it, but you know. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand, but <laughs> I'm oh, yeah, laughing, laughing out of uh, courtesy. <laughs> you you understand. All right. I do. Why don't we get into this? Why don't we talk about the 10 horrific things that happened during movie filming? All right. Fil- so fil- did I say filming? I meant filming. Movie filming. 
<laughs> this list is brought to you by Listverse, and yep. this is authored by someone named Estelle. Just one name, Estelle. like like Adele, yeah, or Beyonce, yeah. Although, does Beyonce count anymore because she keeps coming up with all these other names for herself? Like what? Well, I don't like. Don't they call her like the Queen Bee and all these other types of things like that? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. like it either. Yeah, that's good commentary from the from yeah. Archie there. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, so, do you want me to take number ten here, or do you want to take it? I can take it. I can take all it. Right. So number ten, um, we're gonna talk about the ocean a little bit. So back in uh, looks like 1969, the film was released. I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet, uh, but many directors are embarrassed by their earlier works. Director named Samuel Fuller directed uh, a film called White Dog and The Big Red One. Uh, it's kind of a weird grouping of White Dog. <laughs> Anyways, um, but wished that he had Clifford. never been involved with a film called Shark, which was released in 1969. Uh. Shark um, exclamation point. Right. Shark. Uh, shark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if shark. I blew your ears out. <laughs> nope. I listened to this other this other podcast, and whenever they read their reviews and someone puts all caps or exclamation points, mm-hmm. they're like, well, I take that to mean they're shouting at us. So that's how they read them. <laughs> like <laughs> they're shouting. But but yeah, anyways, this film Shark was released in 1969. Um, this director actually requested his name be removed from the credits. Uh, he wasn't simply embarrassed because the film was bad. Uh, apparently this movie, it stars Burt Reynolds might be fun to look at, but it also cost the life of Mexican stuntman. Burt Reynolds is fun to look at. <laughs> it might be a fun <laughs> film to look at. Yeah. Film to watch. I mean, he was on that bear skin <laughs> rug and all. <laughs> That's true. That but yeah. Fun look at it. No, Burt Reynolds. But. <laughs> no, but uh, apparently during the filming of this, it cost the life of a Mexican stuntman named Jose Marco. So number 10 is a stuntman attacked and eventually killed by a shark. Oof. Which, yeah, pretty bad, huh? Bull shark. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Yeah, he filmed, Marco filmed a scene with a bull shark attacking him. While he was struggling with the bull shark, a great white shark broke through the netting that was set up in the open waters and also attacked Marco, ripping open his stomach. I mean, oh, that's brutal. Um, sadly, Marco passed away a few hours later. Uh, crew members did succeed in scaring off the great white, but the damage was done. Um, I guess, disgustingly, it says the producers of the film changed the name from its earlier moniker, uh, Kane, like Michael Kane to shark uh, and proceeded <laughs> to release it. So they, this guy dies, gets his stomach ripped open by a great white. The film was supposed to be called Kane, And they're like, Nope, we're calling it shark. Cause that guy died. <laughs> shark. Um, they even, and this is where it gets pretty, you know, we, we think of the media and the lengths they go to. Everyone's like a media whore, you know, they'll do anything to get some buzz. Mm-hmm. This isn't a modern thing because this is back in 1969 and they publicized the stuntman's death just to promote the film. Oh my gosh. Isn't that sick? Who are, I mean, let's name it shark and publicize it. Right. Make sure, make sure everybody knows he died. Yeah. Make sure it plays a prominent part of, you know, why you Jeez. should watch this film. You know, it's not the story. It's not a, the, the superb it's, acting of one Burt Reynolds. It's the fact that, you get to watch a Mexican stuntman named Jose Marco get killed by a great white shark. 
in the film. Now, did they actually include? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Now, this list, it's got a uh, a preview teaser trailer on it here. And, I mean, you're seeing some footage. I don't, you know, it's kind of, it, it looks like a GoPro diver, you know, mm. <laughs> sharing a, a view through the thing. But I'm skipping through it. You see the this great white swimming around. You see the the guy swimming. Okay, camera's on him. Here comes the great white. Oh, please don't. No, is this what I think? Oh, that's a little shark compared to that guy, unless it's a far away. He's swimming, trying to get away from it. Are they showing? Here it is, right up against them. That's a bull shark. Here it comes. Shark. Yeah, they show a shark attack. I doubt it's. That can't be the real one. They've got too many many angles and. Yeah, camera angles and shake. It can't be there. Oh, there's a lot of blood in the water, though, but I don't know, man. I don't know if that's a real thing. If it is, that's really twisted, but that's disturbing. Yeah. If that's the actual attack, is that the actual attack? Ugh, I don't know. But I mean, once again, another list where number 10 that we're kicking off with, uh, and it's a doozy. Ooh. And I know I we actually good. I, I think that might actually be the, I, that's what I'm wondering. Cause actual it's, it's going after his midsection. And the the that way it's sucks. going, and then you see that blood hit, you know, in the water. It's like, oh boy, yeah, mm. that's not good. So number nine, mm-hmm. what of more course. darkness can we bring in? <laughs> Let, let's talk <laughs> about plane crashes. Yeah. Um. So 1965, the movie Flight of the Phoenix, which starred uh, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> it was not a terrible <laughs> movie. It says, in fact, it was Mary, <laughs> Mary. It was nominated for two Academy Awards. However, it was a dismal failure at the box office, despite taking its plot from a best-selling novel and having an all-star cast. But bombing at the box office was the least of the producer's troubles. Director-producer Robert Aldrich and 61-year-old stunt pilot Paul Mance wanted to reshoot a scene where Mance lands the Phoenix in the dunes. As the camera was rolling, Mance landed but hit one of the dunes too hard, and this caused the fuselage to break and the plane's nose to pitch forward at a sharp angle, killing Mance instantly. Bobby Rose, a 64-year-old stuntman flying with Mance, broke his shoulders and pelvis. The cameras caught the entire horrific accident, and the video can still be seen online. Yep, and I'm watching it. It broke, it flipped, and boom. Oh, man. They had to get that second take. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, I guess, holy cow. Listeners, the one thing I would say, we, we always tell you go check out these lists online. Yeah, this one, beware. <laughs> yeah, beware because some of this might be brutal. It appears that they're they're putting up what appears to be the actual footage on all of these on the list, if it's available. Um, mm-hmm. it it, uh, oh, it is horrifying. It is horrifying. Jeez. So speaking of horror, what's yeah. what's our next one? So we're all familiar. Well, I, I doubt you've seen it, but the the films Annabelle which is a a take on a creepy possessed doll type movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, director of the first Annabelle movie, his name is John Leonetti. He said there were two supernatural events that happened on set during filming of, of the first Annabelle movie. Now, <laughs> one of these events saw three claw marks drawn through the dust on the window of a living room set they were shooting from. 
terrified mm. those on site considered uh considering that the demon in the movie has three talons now that's scary enough you know you're shooting working in a horror movie <laughs> set and kind of in that jumpy mindset anyways that's terrifying most yeah. likely something like that's probably a prank from somebody who knows what it was right now the second incident they said is a lot scarier though because while shooting in an apartment building near Koreatown the demon was brought into the shot as the actor playing the janitor of the building headed into the shot as well a massive light fixture promptly fell on his head uh the incident became even creepier after it was revealed in the script that the demon kills the janitor in the hallway where the light fixture used to hang <laughs> so I, I don't know the the one on this i don't know if that guy did that actor die though in real life or did the fixture just fall on his head and hurt no, it, him well it says the, the title of this says light fixture nearly kills actor so i'm guessing so, he's fine must but, have lived but yeah was it a uh reaching out from the other side reconsidering your gigs yeah yeah, yeah i'm not gonna I, do horror movies anymore i'm just not gonna do that <laughs> well you know this this is kind of a, a side tangent discussion but it does bring something to mind it bounces it off you i know you're not a horror movie fan but yep, correct with with some of these things and the horror movies and the subject matter of some of these I, I do sometimes find myself wondering, like, you know, where do these ideas come from? And is there some element of reality in some of this? I mean, not necessarily directly that there's a, a crazy possessed doll or Freddy Krueger or, you know, something like that. But the idea that, you know, I, I the possibility that these writers and directors could have uh, you know, some kind of unknown. They're, dabble, they're dabbling in the dark arts. Yeah, something where maybe they don't even realize it, but they're 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 blurring the lines between worlds or something crazy like that. And it, it does make you kind of wonder, like, oh, are they are they tapping into something that's just a little too real and more dangerous than they know about? Yeah, it's, who knows? It's creepy, but that is creepy to think about. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> yeah. I better watch a horror movie before bed. Yeah, right. Let's talk more about sharks though. Yeah, yeah. So, number 7, the making of Jaws. There was an incident where a boat actually sank during the filming. So, mm. um there's a lot of jaw-dropping tidbits around this film because Jaws is, you know, a classic. It's an amazing film, Steven Spielberg. Um and this also includes uh, some of the tidbits around the film include Stephen King's son claiming that an extra in the movie was an unidentified murder victim found in Provincetown in 1974. I've never heard that. I have never heard that either. And also it says one of the scariest scenes in the whole film involving a severed head was shot in a swimming pool. <laughs> you go to buy a, buy a house that's got a pool in the backyard and the, the realtor's like, and by the way, you may recognize this. <laughs> no, not yeah. yet. And they plop in a, a you know, a, movie prop head and they're like how about now do you recognize it <laughs> looking good <laughs> Looks so what good, was meant to be a 55 day shoot uh turned into 159 days with richard dreyfus and robert mm -hmm. shaw feuding and people mm -hmm. getting restless i'm richard dreyfus okay <laughs> to make matters worse while filming the final scene the boat used in the movie had its hull ruptured and it started sinking mm. with the actors still on board so director steven spielberg panicked and shouted get the actors off the boat Another boat was sent in to rescue the sinking orca, and fortunately, no one was injured. So, not well, really. It's a, 
horrific thing. It's scary. Could have though. been horrifying. Yeah. Now that's that's one of those films. They shot that in fully out in the sea, though. I mean, they were not that yeah. far off the land, I suppose, but still far enough. That that's movie crazy. made it so I I don't like going in open water. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird thing. Yeah, like I, I yeah Jaws. Let me ask you this, Jaws. Do you consider that a horror film? I don't. I, I mean, there, I don't either. But it, it gets uh, the shark put on is a scary, lot of, but it's yeah, it gets put on a lot of horror movie lists, though. And I don't know quite why, because maybe, it's, well, it's, maybe I think it's horrifying, like the fact that there's there's this shark is a a crazy like human seeking mo- water yeah, monster. Yeah, he's with large he's teeth hunting them, I guess. Yeah. So in that case, I'd say yeah, but it's not traditional like you know, supernatural horror right. kind of stuff. I mean, in reality, yes, that, that shark is, is eating people, but really it's just doing what a shark does. You yeah. know, it, it's not, it's not like this shark grew legs and was stalking on land or something, you know, at least they Jason, didn't the movie shark. Yeah. Or, well, Jason posed an interesting question to me the other day. He wanted to know if, um, you know, storm from the X-Men, Yep. Yes, you do too. Um, she can control the weather and stuff. So he said, "Okay, so in a in a fight like our like our old super fights or geek off fights or whatever we used to do, um, who would win, Storm from the X Men or Sharknado?" Well, I've never seen Sharknado. Isn't that just a tornado full of sharks? That's what I thought too. But apparently, there's some kind of supernatural something or other that happens in it. I would think Storm could control the shark. Maybe. I went with that too. But he said, "Yeah, there's something though. When they get on land, these sharks can keep killing and everything else." And I guess I don't know. It's weird, but ridiculous. Yeah, I still go with Storm from the X Men because the X Men always win. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the Fantastic so. Four. Right. So anyway, we're still in the water. Let, let's talk about. Yep. Yes, we're still in the water, Archie. Let's talk about a film at number six. Um, well known for its port, the horrifying portrayal of being in the water, which is a film from uh, 1989 called The Abyss. Now, this movie has a big reputation. It was one of the toughest to shoot because it was filmed mostly underwater. Now, you imagine that and think about the fact that submarine, not pilots, what do they call them? So, um, soldiers, whatever it is, crew. They <laughs> Submarine soldier? <laughs> submarine soldier. What do they call <laughs> the, the crew on a submarine? Don't they have a name? Uh, it's not like, crew. not like captains. Is it just the crew? But anyways, they have to go through some very extensive like mental health um evaluations and it can be very difficult because they're underwater and isolated for so long Mm. um did you mean like the captain and yeah like yeah that kind of a thing skipper skipper do they call him a skipper when they're underwater i don't know (laughs) anyways um during the filming of the abyss this this whole experience underwater um the actors spent up to 12 hours a day on set which was actually 40 feet underwater in an abandoned nuclear reactor. So the crew went up to 50 feet underwater, had to decompress regularly because at that level, you know, the pressure is different in a mm. specialized decompression chamber. Everyone had to relieve themselves in their wetsuits, which caused algae to bloom and extra chlorine to be required, which <laughs> gross. 
Um, your own piss. <laughs> yeah. And eventually star Ed Harris's hair turned white because of the chlorine. <laughs> and he, he once broke down crying while driving home due to the sheer stress of filming. Wow. Um, his co-star, I guess, uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastri Antonio had an emotional and physical breakdown on set and even walked off. Cameron himself nearly died after he ran out of oxygen underwater and had to be rescued by a safety diver. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. That, All for a film. Shooting underwater, that's that's wild. You know, movies had to be made boldly with before CGI and everything. Right. And everything still looked real. Although Abyss was one of the first groundbreaking CGI movies. Yeah. With their the water effect was incredible. Yep. Yeah, that was crazy. I I don't know, man. I I've never. I've always thought scuba diving would be cool, but then there's a part of me that's. I I don't know if I'd like it. Just the. Yeah, I don't know, Archie. It, it's just so silent and so. He sounds like Gizmo from. <laughs> he kind of looks like Gizmo. <laughs> don't he, feed him after midnight. He's got the the white and brown markings. He's getting fidgety here. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, just that feeling of being so isolated and underwater, and anything happens, you're screwed. Because at the, at the, even at those depths, 50, 60 feet underwater, you can't just you know pop to the surface. That's quite a quite a hike, and you you right. run major health issues by doing that. You know, pop your eyes out and stuff. Oof. Well, that would we, not be good. We fished, um, growing up, we used to fish lake trout and stuff a lot. And you catch those at, at bigger depths. And um, you couldn't reel them in too fast. Because if you did, they like their their stomach or whatever, that air sac in there and their eyes, they just pop, you know, from the pressure change. So you, It's you not from be, surprise that they got yeah, caught? Yeah, no, no, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not, so... Oh, that's, I didn't know that about that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So go before ahead. We go go ahead. I was going to say, before we go on to our next one, though, mm-hmm. I think we should talk about some recommendations. And now, Digital Soup Recommendations. All right. So my recommendation today is a YouTube channel. If you like to cook like I do, and if you have a flat top or want to get a flat top griddle, and you're interested to see how people can cook on it, I've got a YouTube channel you got to check out. It's my boy, the Hungry Hussy. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> so this guy is out of North Carolina, I think. And the dude is just always positive and shows exactly how he makes everything, goes over the ingredients, and he's always cooking like this most delicious looking food that you could possibly imagine on his Blackstone griddle. It's something that I own yeah. as well, and that's why I kind of looked it up just to see what other people are cooking on there. Sure. And the, the dude just makes phenomenal food. Um, just super positive, upbeat. It's a fun YouTube channel to watch, and your Jeez. mouth will be watering at the end of every episode. He's making cheese steaks and breakfast burritos <laughs> and patty melts and pork chops. Well, and, uh, I'm seeing good. his his most popular upload. It was about two years ago. 1.3 million views on this video, which is him making breakfast sausage and eggs on the Blackstone. <laughs> awesome, man! This, yeah, I, I mean. We, you know, we were talking because we're recording a little early again. We both just kind of wolfed down our dinner here in, in record time so we can get this going. And um, so I, I'm not hungry at all. But looking at this, it's making me just go like, oh, man, I could really go for some of that and some of that. <laughs> it's so oh, yeah, good it's looking. Good. Yeah. yeah. Although, and like I said, it's just fun to watch. He does. He does kind of. Uh, I'm going to give him a negative mark here. <laughs> 
his second most recent video. So a week ago, as we're recording this, mm-hmm. he's he's making Beyond Burgers, but that's not the Impossible Burger. True, true. That's fair. So I'll, I'll reserve my comments because okay. yeah, if it was Impossible Burgers, I would have uh, gone into troll mode and started leaving him angry messages on that video. <laughs> You know what's hilarious? If you go down yeah. and look at his first comment, he said, certainly didn't mean to cause a stir with this video, y'all. I do what I do want everyone to know I like to listen to what folks say to me and I have an open mind. Many of our vegetarian and vegan friends messaged me for begging for vegetarian and ve- vegan dishes. So I wanted to try this alternative for one, but also wanted to show some hungry hussy love to all. Remember, <laughs> everyone's invited to the hungry hussy table. That's fair. You know, that's yeah. a classy response. I respect it. Begrudgingly, I have to say <laughs> yep. it. yes. That's yeah, everyone's okay. like, gotta have the meat. It's like Beyond Burger on the Fourth of July. You're un-American. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, unless I've said it many times before, unless I'm forced, I will not uh, be going into the yeah. fake meat categories <laughs> willingly. But uh, I, I tell you what, you just watch any of his other videos; it'll more than make up for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, right next to it, I'm seeing a giant patty melt. Which is not yep. Beyond Burger. That's real beef no. there. That no, looks no, good. No. But even a healthier option. He's got a chicken Caesar salad wrap that looks freaking delicious. It's all good stuff. Mm. And if you're wondering whether or not you want to buy a Blackstone griddle or another, like a Cuisinart or whatever, uh huh, do it. You won't be you won't be uh, full of regret. You'll be full of delicious so, food. I, I, I'm going to ask you a question because I, I know I've looked, I, I haven't looked at these in the store. I've seen a lot of people have them like yourself and mm-hmm. a few other people I know that love them. I have no idea what is something like that cost. Cause it's not, it's not something that just sits on your grill. It's its own deal. Yeah. It's its very own standalone griddle. It's about three feet wide, two mm-hmm. feet deep. Um, the run of the mill Blackstone griddle is going to cost about two ninety nine. Well, that's not too bad. So I, after I kind of killed my last grill, I bought this mm-hmm. as an alternative. My wife thought I was kind of crazy because you're not going to get the barbecue flavor out of this. You're not right. going to get the, the drippings, the smoke. You can't put a lid on it and close it. Mm-hmm. But you can do so much stuff on here. You can sear. You can make pancakes for the yeah. entire family in one shot. Right. It's 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 a pretty amazing thing. And um, smash burgers, it's just, you mm-hmm. just knock it out of the park with this thing. For yeah, ice, yeah. you can't do that on a grill. It's just no. Different. I'd love to have one of these. They, they look, I mean, I've watched you cook on yours and other, other people I know, and they're amazing. And, you know, I, that, that price point's not bad because I, I know, like, if you get into that Traeger grill with a grill and smoker combo. Oh, someday. Oh, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to spend, though, a grand easy, you know, yep. 800, 900 bucks or more. No, they do have a 28-inch smaller mm-hmm. grill. Griddle. It's got two burners that are, like, circular. Sure. 197 bucks. But really at that point, what's the, what's the point of that at that point? Get the big one. Yeah, go, go big. That's the, you, you need that's the room. The, yeah. That's the thing about it. That makes it yep. so awesome is the, the size. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so yeah. That, anyway, <laughs> this channel is awesome. <laughs> yeah. In, I've actually made, I've made a few of his recipes. One was, I just remember distinctly, it was a, uh, a honey lime pork chop. Mm. It was fantastic. That sounds so, good. Was it yeah. sweet? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all it's like equal parts honey, equal parts lime juice. Hmm. And you just hit the uh hit the pork chops with it when they hit the hit the griddle. It's yeah. Good. Interesting. So all right, what do you got Very for your cool. So today? I went back, I, I, I dug out, I've got a bunch of PS3 games, not a ton, but a, a good handful. A while back, I sold all of my games I had 
and only kept a couple that I knew had good stories or were supposed to be really good that I that were longer play games like Skyrim and stuff like that. Sold all the rest of them because I just didn't need them. And the one of them that I kept that I actually had started playing a long time ago and just recently decided, you know what, I'm going to pick this one back up. Um, it's a game called Kingdoms of Amalur, The Reckoning. Mm. Now, this is a kind of action RPG style game, meaning it's not turn-based combat where you, you know, pick your move and then the computer does it. This is you button combinations and move sets and all of that. Um, it's not quite completely open world sandbox because there are, you know, lots of areas you just can't go. You know, they're there, you can see them, but you just can't get there because they're walled off. But it's pretty close to open world. But the reason I'm recommending this is because the storytelling in this game. Now, this game never quite got massive critical acclaim, and I don't know why. Because it's really well done. The controls are great. It looks really cool. It's like almost World of Warcraft style graphics, kind of a little more cartoony like that. Not full on, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there's full blood and everything as you're fighting. So really good battle sequences and animations and all that stuff. But the story is written by an author called R.A. Salvatore, which if you don't know him, he's written a ton of stuff. His most famous character, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, but uh, Drizzt Dorden. He's he writes in the he's a dark elf and he writes in the Forgotten Realms universe a lot. He's done I believe a one of the Star Wars films, he did the novel adaptation for it. Just a fantastic fantasy author. On top of that, the mm-hmm. artwork in this game is done by Todd McFarlane of Spawn fame and you know comic book fame. Now fantastic art sequences as well. And I can't remember who does the music, but it's another big name. It's like a big trio of these guys that were really highly esteemed in their fields coming together to put together amazing story, amazing artwork and killer music with this game. So it's, if you haven't played it yet, it's an older one. They actually are releasing, I think in September, a remaster of this for Hmm. PC and PS4 and, you know, modern systems where it'll be upgraded. But even if you have the older version, you can get the, you know, the original version on steam still for PC or on probably any of your other systems. And it is fantastic. It's just a really solid game. Sweet. Kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah. Very, very, very fun. Yep. Amalur. Well, I always called it Amalar, but then I, in the game, they pronounced it like Amalur. So. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Now for the Digital Soup Spotify playlist editions. Mm. Present to you a song from 1993, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. Counting Crows, Round Here. You've heard it. It's Mm -hmm. good. It's it's got a lot of lyrics. (laughs) Yeah? What stands out lyrically for you? Well, my dad once pointed out, because I was trying to sing this song, he's like, that's really wordy. <laughs> well, think about the other big hit off that album. That's the same album as oh, uh, Mr. Jones and me. Yeah. Mr. Jones. Look yep. at that one. That's another one. You read the lyrics. It's like reading a short story. Yep. Exactly. You know, just tons and tons. Not a ton of, there's some repeating, but it's yeah. a ton of, 
you know, yeah. like chorus and stuff, but it's, it's a ton really wordy. Like you said, that whole album is actually quite good. Mm-hmm. You know, as which, which album entry. was that? Is that, um, counting crows? It's like, uh, was it August and everything after or, oh uh, yeah, I can't, it could be. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It, they're, they're, they're yeah, August group. and everything after. Yeah. Okay. They're a group for me. Was there any other big hits on that one? Oh, they had um, Mr. Jones and Mr. Jones around here. Thought there was what, at least one more. Well, you're looking at that though. They're a group for me that I I, so. I do like, and I, they're just one I can't listen to a ton of. I never was able to sit down from start to finish with that album. Okay. I don't know why. If it just well, his vocal kind of like be for everybody. Well, and kind of like or Blues Traveler though. You know where it's they have some incredible songs. Really good mm-hmm. stuff, but listening to it from top to bottom, it starts to feel so much the same, which mm-hmm. is normally not yep. a bad thing, that cohesive feeling, but it gets, it, it starts to just like, you know, aside from the big hits, you're like, yeah. okay, where are we going with this? Yep. There, know? There's a few other ones on there I really liked, but a lot of them do kind of blend together. I think mm-hmm. around here to me is the, it's got this atmosphere to it. Yep. And it it's almost like poetic. Yeah. The way it's written. Yeah, you know, they like a ghost into the fog where, yeah, um, no one notices the contrast of white on white. It's, right, it's just some pretty cool writing. I always like that. So. Yep, yeah, that's I, I agree. It's a, it's a good good album. They've got a, a quite a number of good hits, but not not. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. I can think of the guitar riff, but um, What's it called? I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, they had they had a lot of hits. Hanging around. Oh yeah, I never cared for that one. Being hanging around. (laughs) That's nice. It's just got that. But to me, it's one of those songs that that hanging around song. Not that we're picking that, but it's got that same feel as like um, uh, Cecilia. Is it by Simon and Garfunkel? Just that like street bit. street music party. Like there's like 40 people all jamming on an instrument almost, you know, at times. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, very cool. So it long, long December is another one of their good ones. Yeah. That one's not bad. Although that one is one I've, I know I've, you don't like that one. I've heard a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not a huge fan. It's a good song. It's just probably the one that was the most overplayed for me up here. Sure. Well, I, let's go into something that's not overplayed, which is your record. Yeah. So I had this pop up on a playlist today, actually. Thank you, Spotify, for introducing me to this just today. It's a group called the Surreal McCoys. And I saw the title of this and was like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. It's called Whole Lot of Folsom. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what this <laughs> is. Some, you know, because I was kind of just listening to kind of mellower indie folk rock type music at work just in the background and i heard this and i was like it stopped me and i was like am i what am i hearing here this this sounds familiar but that's not quite right what it is this group the surreal mccoys they've done a cover version mashup of a whole lot of love by led zeppelin and was it Folsom prison blues by johnny cash so it's basically Mm -hmm. the lyrics of Folsom prison blues with the music on acoustic guitars from whole lot of love. And then they throw in the bear, 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 you know, the, the certain guitar runs every now and then from Folsom prison blues to tie it together. 
and it is crazy how well yeah they fit really really nicely it, it fits yeah it, it kind of blew my mind and I, i'm not as good with the guitar and stuff so i'm not sure how much they had to change keys and everything like that uh, between the two songs to make them fit but it sounds natural it's it's really kind of a fun and, and cool mashup it is i like it um i did have a few songs from listener jesse here hmm which I will go look at right this second. Nice. And then we will add these in. So we have got drum roll. <laughs> um, he is expecting to get some shame for one of these, and I'll tell you which one that is at the end. But okay. um, we've got Champagne Supernova, ah, of yeah. course, by Oasis. Classic. How many special people change? Yeah. Um, and then there's another one called Keep It Close. Keep it close. I, I don't recognize yep. that one. It's by Bones Owens. Hmm. What kind of music I, is that one? It is rock music. Nice. Nice. Yep. And the last one of which he, he knew he'd get made fun of, but still was willing to do and suggest is What Do You Mean by Justin Bieber. <laughs> so <sighs> check out some Biebs. Well, first off, I'll say this. Kudos to you for being willing to put your name behind that recommendation. Secondly, what? <laughs> I almost said a, a naughty word. How dare word. you, sir? What the heck are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's a good tune. I, I'm going to give it a listen. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt because you've sent us some good tunes in, in the past. And you've got two good ones to kick off the beginning of this. I feel like he had to load a couple good ones up first. And then just because yep. he's like, and this one too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Well, with that, why don't we talk amongst ourselves? Hey, super friends, as you know, we don't have any fancy sponsors, but we do have some important information for you. So listen up. First, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing here at Digital Soup, including how to find us on social media, all the ways to subscribe and even how to support the show, head to digitalsouppodcast.com. We appreciate all of your support, including sharing Digital Soup with your friends. But if you want to do more than share, hit that button that says Patreon on the site and help support the show by becoming a Digital Soup Patreon backer. Of course, Dave and I stay busy with our own projects outside of the kitchen as well. Dave is having creativity-fueled discussions designed to motivate, inspire, and encourage you along your own adventures in creativity with the Adventures in Creativity podcast. You'll find him at AICpod.com. And if you're interested in some amazing sci-fi stories from years gone by, I've got you covered with Yesterday's Sci-Fi. These are amazing classic sci-fi stories in an audiobook format. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to YesterdaySciFi.com for all the details. Man, that's a lot, huh? Well, just remember this. DigitalSoupPodcast.com, YesterdaySciFi.com, and AICPod.com. Now then... Thank you again, all of you that are listening, for taking time to join us every week, and let's get back to the show. <laughs> oh, you guys. I can't believe they just said that. I know. It's ridiculous. wonder how many people skip right through that. 
And then we come oh, in and, and they wonder like what we said. Yeah. I mean, I do when I listen. <laughs> we, we just changed it though. So you got to go back and listen to it. Right. See if you All can right. spot the change. Yeah. Find the difference. <laughs> Let's get back into our list of the 10 horrific things that happened. It's not the top 10. It's just 10 horrific things. Yeah. Yeah. So um, stunt double paralyzed after mm. stunt gone wrong. That's good. So David Holmes was Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double in the Harry Potter films. And he and Radcliffe had worked together on six of the films when this happened. So oh boy, during the filming at Warner Brothers Studios for the next installment, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, Holmes was practicing a jerk back stunt. So he was thrown into a wall at one point and pulled back by a high strength wire. Oh, things went awry though, and he ended up with a broken neck oh. and was instantly paralyzed. Ay 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 ay. He spent the next six months in the hospital and was told that he would be paralyzed from the chest down for the rest of his life. Oh, man. So next up, he had months of rehab. Daniel Radcliffe assisted Holmes with his medical bills by hosting a charity auction dinner, and the two uh, remained friends. Holmes went on to start his own production company with two new friends who were also paralyzed. Mm. Wow. Oh, that, that one it gives me chills. I, I, oh. Yikes. That stunt work is dangerous. Yeah. It's very dangerous work. Oh. What? Oh, man. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I'm just thinking of that because how many times have we seen that same stunt? Oh, yeah. Where you somebody know. just gets thrown, pulled back. Well, I, I've seen it on the Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres had some game show for a while. I don't know. Maybe she still does. My wife was watching it a little bit. And it's it's like a quiz show. But if the people yep, get the that. answers wrong, they this one one part of it, they they get the answer wrong, they get pulled through a wall just like that. But the wall breaks away, you know everything else. And I remember mm-hmm. watching that, thinking, "Holy cow, that's a lot of force pulling these people directly back." That's crazy wow. on on a show like that. And then you think about, you know, in, in actual stunts. They're going so it looks as real as possible. Yeah, and Less oh. padding and safety precautions. Can you imagine the feeling on set mm. when you see that? I mean, just hearing it now, just, oh, man, it, it gives me chills. But yeah, that feeling on set when you're like, okay, this stunt that's been done a million times, boom, pulls them and you're, uh, you realize just something's not right here. You know, he just goes limp or whatever it is. Oh, goodness. That's frightening. Man. Well, we're not getting any happier because number four is a camera assistant dies during a freight train accident. Ooh. Now, this is a film called Midnight Rider. It only had only ever had one scene made. That scene was edited from footage depicting a horrific train accident that killed crew member Sarah Jones and injured seven others. It was supposed to be a biopic about, uh, biopic, I should say, about rock star Greg Allman and would have starred William Hurt, uh, I guess. And, and I, I'm leery if I want to hit play on this, but the raw footage from that tragic incident shows several crew members and actor Wyatt Russell struggling to get off a set of train tracks while also trying to move props on the movie set out of the way. The next minute, a freight train is upon them. Uh, I guess in an interview, William Hurt later told a news agency that he had felt very unsettled when they arrived at the tracks, and he asked the assistant director, Hillary Schwartz, whether they would be safe there. 
She said they would be safe, but these words would come back to haunt her later. She was fined $5,000 and sentenced to 10 years probation for her role in the accident. It was also revealed later that the filmmakers had been denied permission to film at the train tracks by the company (laughs) that owned the railway. Movie director Randall Miller received a two-year prison sentence and eight years probation for trespassing and involuntary manslaughter. So I watched it. Was it bad or? Well, it's just a bunch of people really scrambling to get all their stuff off of a little like train bridge thing. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, think of this, like they asked permission, we're told no. So they go do it anyway. So the yep, railroad anyway. company's thinking, well, they asked, but we're not, we did, we said no. So there's no one here. Yeah. You, there's going to be a train coming. Yeah. And, you know, Rolling schedule as usual. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know you see so, this pop up with photography a lot because it's real popular People want pictures, you know, senior pictures of train tracks and things like that. And people constantly getting hit by trains. It's, Jeez. it's ridiculous. Which it's, you would think you could hear a train coming, but I mean, not always. you know, that, that stunning scene in, um, uh, stand by me where they're on the train tracks and the train mm-hmm. comes. Yep. That always gave me such anxiety. I loved that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you could really, you're like, oh my gosh, run, yeah. run, Vern. Right. So these guys, I didn't. I thought this was like an older movie, Midnight Rider. I thought that was like a biker movie. What am I thinking of? Wasn't Midnight Rider a biker movie? Um, that I'm not sure. It's oh, I'm thinking of Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Almond Brothers. Yeah. See, I I grew up. That's a good song. Yeah, I grew up with a healthy respect for trains because the school I went to, the small town, there was a set of train tracks that ran right past the school, and. Mm-hmm there was more than more than one accident there but i remember while we were in school at one point um i mean not i shouldn't say that i I don't want to make it sound like i was sitting in class and this happened um there were kids sitting in class i wasn't in school that day i don't know if it was just after i graduated or or what but um there was big accidents that would happen people killed on the tracks right there by the school and it, it was nasty I remember I had a, I used to go to church with a lady whose daughter had tried to jump on a moving train and Oof. it didn't work out. Like she had, she had a leg missing. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, that's what happened. Oh my gosh. That sucks. Oof. So don't mess with trains folks. And especially yep. if you don't have permission to be on those tracks. Exactly. They cannot stop as fast as a car or no. a semi truck. Even they can't stop. They're too heavy. Mm-hmm. Danger, danger. Um, all right. Well, that was fun. Number three, stunt man <laughs> left. Wait, did I just do number? No, you just did. No, I just did that one. You're up. So he, another stunt man. This is uh, Scott McLean. He was performing a stunt he had rehearsed over and over. He's inside a moving truck, leaning out of the window for the shot, and a car driving towards the truck skidded and hit him. Oh man! So this is during the filming of The Hangover Part Two. Really? So he rushed to the hospital. Yeah, he was placed in a medically induced coma to help him recover, and he stayed mm. in that coma for two months. Unfortunately, he retained some brain damage, so he was moved to a rehabilitation clinic and went on to sue Warner Brothers Film Studios for financial damages. So now he suffers from ongoing seizures as well as speech and physical impediments. Ow. This car skidded and just beamed him in the head? I guess so. Holy. And and for all things, you think of like some of these, they're they're action movies, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're out in the ocean for Jaws and things like that. This is just... A, a stupid comedy sequel, not even the good yep. first one. Well, in the actual movie, it's Ed Helms who's got his head out the windows. They're driving, yeah, you know, speeding down the street. So mm. 
Yeah. Can you imagine you're, you're flying down the road and then bam. Why? Well, you know, that's I remember as a kid wondering like, cause kids, you're always got your arm out the window, you know, making oh, the yeah. wave. You'll you lose know. your arm. You'll lose your hand. You'll yeah. Lose your- and you, I always, I remember like a, a, you know, a fly or something would hit your hand every now and then in the summer and you're like, whack ow, you know, it hurts like crazy. And you think about mm-hmm. what it would feel like to have a car hit you, like being you in the head. He is so lucky. He just, terrible. you know, has some, some brain damage and not, he could have just been decapitated right there. Huh. Oof. Yeah. That's, that's scary stuff. All right. So this next one, number two, I, I don't know. So in 1974, uh, there was a film that was called Roar. It was a movie about a family that was attacked by jungle animals. Uh, Tippy Hedren and her husband, Noel Marshall, couldn't get anyone to rent them 40 lions for their script requirements. That damn I've Carol Baskin. <laughs> I've so, read about this. this yeah, is so crazy. They, they started their own zoo, I guess. Now, they started raising a lion cub named Neil until neighbors complained. Then they moved to a ranch outside L.A. where they added tigers, more lions, and elephants to their animal family. They used this site to shoot their movie. Now, that's some planning. We can't get a place to rent them, so we're just going to basically start our own zoo. What could go wrong? (laughs) Uh, I I guess what should have been nine months of shooting dragged out became five years. It included several injuries inflicted by the wild animals. The cinematographer had his scalp lifted by a massive lion, resulting in around 220 stitches. Holy moly. Uh, Hedron or Hedron tried to ride an elephant, was kicked off for her efforts. Now, I've seen people get, get, you know, launched off a horse, and that's scary enough. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine watching an elephant kick off a person. That's a long fall. Holy moly. Yeah. That resulted in a broken leg and scalp wounds, I guess. Her daughter, Melanie Griffith, almost lost an eye after being attacked and needed 50 stitches to her face. And as if this article says, as if the constant injuries weren't bad enough, the ranch even flooded at one point, resulting in the death of three lions. And to add insult to injury, the film performed very poorly after its release in 1981. Karma there. Oh, that's... I I had not heard of this really, but it, and I'm assuming that's the same Melanie Griffith we all know. I think so. From what was she like, Sleepless in Seattle and those films? She's kind of crazy looking now with too much plastic surgery. Melanie, wasn't she? I that, thought that was somebody else. Or am I thinking? Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Meg Ryan. I think that's who you're thinking of. Yeah, Meg okay. Ryan, Melanie Griffith. What was she was in? Something with. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Lethal Weapon guy, wasn't she? Probably. I'm looking to uh, see. Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson, yeah. Yeah. That's She right. was married to Antonio Banderas for yeah. a while. Well, Dakota Johnson's her daughter, too. Don Johnson, yeah. She was... Dakota Johnson. She, Dakota Johnson, if I recall, is the female lead from the 51st Date series, yeah. Or okay. 54, hold on, 50 Shades of Grey, <laughs> 50 First Dates. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, that was Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I was reading at ba-da, the same ba-da, time. Ba-da, ba-da. Yeah, that's, anyway. that's crazy. Don't don't raise live wild animals if you don't no. know what you're doing. So number one on this list, mm-hmm. 
It's about a film called The Conqueror, starring John yeah. Wayne and Susan Hayward, released in 1956, performed terrible at the box office, ranked as one of the worst movies ever. And also, of course, this is at the time when they uh, they had <laughs> John Wayne yeah. in like Asian He was playing and, Genghis Khan. Yeah, he was playing an Asian guy. Yeah, we had we had mentioned this one on a on a yeah. past episode for something I don't remember what. Yeah, it was so probably about <laughs> terrible movies with, with that yeah, could be yeah. The controversy around the locations of the film, though, um, it outweighs the poor performance because the makers of the film thought it was wise to shoot the exterior scenes only 137 miles from the Nevada National Security Site, regardless of the nuclear weapons test that had taken place there. <laughs> so the federal government assured the public at the time that the tests would pose no hazards to anyone's health, which why wouldn't they say that? Right. Unfortunately, by the end of 1980, 91 of the 220 cast and crew that worked on the film developed cancer Ugh. and 46 had died from it. Man. Director Dick Powell developed terminal kidney cancer and committed suicide in 1963. John Wayne developed lung cancer and eventually died of stomach cancer in 79. Susan Hayward died of brain cancer in 75. And while many argue that some of the cancers cannot be linked to the location's hazards, experts say that the sheer number of cancer cases and people who worked on the film cannot be a coincidence. Wow. Right yeah. next to the old nuke site. Yeah, we had talked about that one. Um, it was episode 80, 185, the top 10 worst movie castings, because we were laughing about the John Wayne ah. side of things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Well... <laughs> My favorite comment on this article, during the filming of the recent Charlie's Angels remake, they decided to go ahead and release the new Charlie's Angels remake. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrific. (laughs) Can we talk briefly about what I consider the number one worst movie trend? Yeah, because I've got a bonus one too. You know what? Before we get to yours, because I think yours is maybe the worst. Okay. All right. I've got one other bonus one that, that, popped into my head yeah that i'm kind of surprised didn't make this now we all love the merc with a mouth deadpool do you mm-hmm. remember this was not that long ago just a few years back um while they were filming deadpool uh deadpool 2 i guess i should say a stunt woman died on the set she was oh, it I was remember. a motorcycle accident and yeah there was some safety uh, errors that were made and basically she had to jump down some stairs or something was happening and it. She ended up basically flying right through a window and, you know, all this, all this crazy stuff, but yeah, horrific motorcycle accident on the set that almost, almost ended this film, almost made it. So it didn't never came out. They almost Oof. never finished it. So even, wow. even happening real recently, cause I mean, this, the government agency WorkSafe BC, so British Columbia, said the film's maker should have ensured Joy Harris was the stunt woman was wearing a helmet. It also said barriers should have been in place to stop her leaving the set perimeter because I guess she blasted through the perimeter. Uh, 20th Century Fox made this film in 2018. They say they respectfully disagreed with some of the report's findings. Safety is our top priority. While we respectfully disagree on some of the findings. They thoroughly reviewed its stunt safety protocols immediately following the accident, a little too late. Uh, they've revised and implemented enhanced safety procedures, et cetera. So, mm. yeah. So what you've got this one, well, this I, is I've, 
brutal. I've got a quick runner up to mine though. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that one, that one was terrible too, but it got me thinking. I remember hearing about, it was either Mad Max or Mad Max 2 and I just looked it up. It is Mad Max 2. There's, you can actually watch it because I believe they kept this in the film. There's a scene during one of the chases where the, this guy hits, he hits something and he topples end over end. Oh, really? Um, And crashes. Like the guy, I mean, it looks terrible. Oof. And um, he actually, they yeah, they actually included it in the movie. <laughs> but I think he ended up busting both of his legs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mad Max. Well, Tom Cruise too. in one of the last Mission Impossibles, he remember he jumped out of a helicopter or some stunt and completely shattered his ankle. Oh, that was on camera. I think Yikes. that made it to the movie as well. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise does some crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick. The, so Mad Max 2, the stuntman was supposed to just fly over a car without hitting it, but um, they, <laughs> he broke his leg badly but survived. If you look at the stuntman's body frame by frame, you can see one of his legs is bending at an unnatural angle. <laughs> oh. oh, it's it's on the internet, folks. Okay. Oh. The number one worst, uh, in my opinion, movie tragedy um, this came from the 1982, uh, film, uh, the twilight zone. And I, I always liked that movie as a kid. Cause it had, you know, it had like, it was a John Lithgow and, yeah. um, you know, I think Dan Aykroyd, I mean, there was, it was a cool and they had, you know, they redid like the guy on the, 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 the one on the plane where that thing is out on the end of the plane. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, the original original had William Shatner in that role. Twilight Zone. And the yeah, what was that famous line? There's something on the wing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's something on the wing of the plane. <laughs> but of course, actually, he did. William Shatner did a stellar job acting in that one. I yeah, when I watched it, you know, he gets but, made um, fun of a lot, but he's actually a pretty dang good actor. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the one of the actors, Vic Morrow, he is in in one of the. I guess I should preface it this way. The Twilight Zone movie is like a bunch of little short Twilight Zone films in one, you know. So in one of them, there is this this guy that is going, he suddenly like gets pulled back into the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And so actor Vic Morrow, who was 53 at the time, and he had, um, there was two of the child actors, Renee Shin Chen and Micah Din Le. Um, they were supposed to be running from a pursuing helicopter, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the exact story, but he's trying to save these kids. And, um, what happened is the, one of the special effects explosions on the set caused the pilot of the, of the helicopter to lose control Oh no! and he crashed right into the three victims. And it is, I mean, you can actually see this accident on YouTube. It's, it's pretty disturbing. Uh, it's, you can't really see much. It's not very gory, but you just knowing that, you know, those people were there and now they're gone because basically the blades hit them and, um, all, all of them got, got killed Ugh. and it, what did it, uh, let's see, it decapitated some of them and just, Ugh. you know, getting hit by the helicopter blade during yeah. a plane crash, you know, during a helicopter crash is just, Jeez. just a nightmare. And there was big, big legal battles about that. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say legal battles. There was legal repercussions about it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks and, like uh, the um, the special effects coordinator and helicopter pilot were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Yep. 
And it was uh, co-director John Landis and four other men working on the film were also included in that. And in according to an 80, 1987 New York Times report, it was the first time a film director faced criminal charges for something that happened while making a movie. Um, the defense maintained the crash was an accident that couldn't have been predicted while the prosecution claimed Landis and his crew had been reckless and violated laws regarding child actors and working conditions and stuff like that. So hmm. the families of the three victims filed lawsuits against Landis, Warner Brothers, um, and even Spielberg. And there, there was a settlement there, but wow. Uh, yeah, ultimately it was released the next year in 1983 and it got like mixed reviews, hmm. but yeah, that was, well, the, the that Twilight was a disturbing, Zone. horrible tragedy. Yeah. Oof. Twilight Zone, though, there's a lot of, and I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but it seems to me there's been a lot of really weird stuff that's happened around that, uh, what would you call it, Twilight Zone family, or you know, whatever you want to call it, where mm-hmm. during the filming and stuff like that, it seems to me that I've, I've, I remember hearing a lot of like strange things happening uh, tied to the sets of of these Twilight Zone films and actors and actresses and hmm huh. it's crazy oh vic, yeah vic morrow is the jennifer jason lee that's her father from oh, fast really? times at ridgemont high yeah i didn't know that okay yeah. i didn't know that either hmm. if you want to know more about this particular accent though just google it and look at the wikipedia well and it's... i do have it linked up in the show notes if people want to okay. look at it from history.com yeah, so that one tops it. it. I know it's a really dark topic and everything, but I kind of looked through that list of the top ten, like, oh, that is horrific. Yeah, but none of them to me met the level of tragedy of 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 this one, right? Where these these two kids were unfortunately, mm. you know, these two kids and this uh, actor were just instantly taken out. Well, in the fact, it was the last. I mean, that was when they were done. That was the last day of shooting, too. Yeah. According to this article, they said that that accident happened. Just before they were going to wrap. I mean, it was the last day of shooting for the film, and then this crazy thing happens. Oh, yeah, horrible. I have a feeling that it it probably impacted the the safe the the rules and regulations and just the yeah. practice around the safety of some of this stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, anyway, ending on that terrible note. <laughs> not it's obviously we're not going to have something awesome and hilarious for ten horrific movie events. But, right. Um, it is interesting. You mm-hmm. know, to to see kind of some of the stuff that's happened, and I always enjoy hearing trivia about movies that I've seen. So, right, it's, it's interesting to see that. So. Well, and it's it's easy to forget that you know you see these films on the big screen. I mean, everyone knows about The Crow, you know, and, and you oh, hear yeah. stories oh. about stuff like that. Yeah, that's another yeah. one. How was that not on? That should have been on here. Now that Brandon we just say that, yeah. But I mean, we every now and then you hear those kinds of things when it's super. Super tragic, you know, someone dies, but there's so many things that happen that I, I think that we never even hear about. Yep. Probably. Well, maybe not anymore in today's, you know, 24 seven news coverage, social media, you know, everything else, but especially, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, even early 90s. I bet there's a ton of stuff that happened that people just never heard about because there yep. was no you know, 24 seven news cycle like there is now. So very true. So next week we've got a super review of the revenant and you know, we hope that you guys have taken time to watch this. I'm going to be watching it in the next couple days, making lots of nerdy notes because I know this one is highly esteemed for its visual 
uh, approach. And I'm hoping the story matches that. But uh, if you guys want to chime in, definitely make sure you watch it because we're going to be spoiling the crap out of that next week. So that's what we have coming up to look forward to. And then we're closing in on the big episode 200. That's right. Mm. So listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us and listening about horrific events on movie sets and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to uh, the next episode. Until then, catch you later. Stay safe. Be kind. Take care, guys. Thank you for joining us and come back next week for another cracking episode of the Digital Soup Podcast. This has been a Digital Soup production.